seriously, I just like nodded off for a second. Um, I didn't, I didn't fall asleep, but I, I drifted off in my thoughts for one second and I came back and you were literally talking about bagels and I don't know how the <laughs> f- we got from <laughs> emails you should send to, ba- to bagels. Hello and welcome to the fizzle show. Connecting you to ideas, people, and tools to help you make an independent living doing something that you care about without burning out. Your hosts are Corbett Barr. Uh, If we were the Game of Thrones characters, Corbett would be Tyrion Lannister. Brave, impish, but really seriously good skills with the women. You wouldn't really expect it by the look. Caleb Wojcik. He'd be, <laughs> I can barely get through this. Caleb Wojcik, he'd be Varys. Bald, quiet, always planning something, and you know your wife's safe with him. And me, Chase Reeves, I'd be Hodor. <laughs> Faithful, diligent, simple-minded, and often blurting out two-syllable mutterings that, by golly, just tie the whole show together. Hodor! <laughs> Thank you to Patrick McGilvray, for that one he wrote it all i can't take any credit nor responsibility for some of the things i just said in this episode you know that it's march and this is uh this is email month at fizzle the sparkline and the fizzle show and this is episode three of four in the email series in the previous episodes we showed you first how to reboot your understanding of email that was episode 44 and then how to grow your list, some tactics and soft tips. Uh, that was in episode 45. And in this episode, we want to get into like nuts and bolts of actually managing your list. What kinds of things should you send to your list? How often should you send them? How can you increase open rate? What, what makes a good subject line? Things like this. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. I have nothing. Camera recording. Yeah, so am I. And I'm uh, guessing that you're not listening to com.com today. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Nope, no com.com today. I have been, uh, I just got off uh, done getting lunch with Justin Zerati from These Numbers Have Faces, who I think I've mentioned to you guys before. I met him once at a Portland Timbers game, I believe. Oh, you did? Yeah, big Timbers fan. Apparently, the Portland Timbers are like, I'm excited to be back because apparently, I have this on good record. They're like the Barcelona of the MLS this year. Hey, they were pretty good last year, weren't they? Yeah, they won the Western Division. They were like real close to being in the in the uh, final something or other. I don't know. But apparently the kind of football that they're playing is really good and exciting. Like the way that like when you watch an Arsenal or a Barcelona play, you're like, wow, these guys are pretty good. So I'm excited to watch them again this year. That's cool because soccer can be pretty boring. Let's be honest. It can. But you had a good time at the Timbers game when we went, right? Well, yeah, but that's because of what's going on in the stands, not because of what's on the field. <laughs> we try. We try real hard. Um, let's see. You guys got your cocktails? You ready to roll? <clears throat> yep. Yep. I got mine. I'm doing Campari and soda today. Hmm. So uh, so we got that going for us. Okay, boys, tell me about what we're getting into today. Why don't you tell us what we're working on today? Well, I would. Except you don't know? But you I'm came pouring, totally I'm, unprepared. I'm pouring my soda into my Campari over here. All right. I'll tell you what we're talking about. We're talking about managing your email list today. The kinds of things that you might be sending to them. Uh, some things to think about are about like open rates and how to increase those. Uh, and things to think about maybe about the design of the email. All the things we talked the first week of March, two episodes ago, on uh, what did we talk about? Jeez, that was a while ago. <laughs> sort of brain farting on that. But we talked about, we talked why, about email why email is important. Email is important, exactly. Yeah, so in a social world, is social media not like just taking over email at this point? What's going on? And why email still is important. We made the case there, and we told a bunch of stories. And then last week, Corbett, you brought the heat off of a... Uh, you know, we don't, I don't even think we talked about the fizzle course on growing your email list to 10,000 and beyond. No, we didn't. We didn't. No. I was, we didn't even mention I was laying, it. I was laying uh, awake last night thinking about how we forgot to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I'll add it to the uh, to the outro, maybe. God, that's kind of funny. So, and that le- last week's was about uh, I so blocked myself. Oh my god! I thought <laughs> I my like, Skype dropped happened? off. 
I was clicking technical uh, call info. Actually, that wasn't a slow block. Sorry, that, no. sorry, that was a pause block. That was a pause block. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> I love the guys. That was a good one. I, I love the idea of like. Um, so we were out to drink the other night at this place in Portland where they actually film the uh, the like after the Blazers game roundup thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Blazers tonight or something like that, right? Yep. And uh, so they're actually filming it. So we were sitting right next to the guys who were putting together the like stats and the things like that before they got on camera. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny watching like some of the guys, like some of the bros, some of the sort of the beef heads kind of come up, like just regular everyday bros, sports dudes, just like, oh, Tom, what is going on with LaBreezy? <laughs> you know, just like using code words for like 26% from the line. Jeez Louise. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if that's good or if it's bad or whatever. But, but it made me think of, of uh, just now. What if people are counting the stats on so blocks? Well, Chase has got a pretty good so block record, but his pause block is off the chain, you guys. Yeah, but nothing compares to a wash bomb. Wash walks in and he just boom, follows it up. <laughs> Sorry, again, all these little vignettes I see in my head, the kinds of things that if I ever tried to make in the video format would just be silly and weird. They would probably come off weird like some other like videos like, that we've done before. maybe yeah like one or two of these other things that might exist out there in the world exactly. is that still exist does that still findable i don't even i erased it from my mind i don't know what it was for when we did it where it, it wasn't us be. it wasn't even us we didn't even do it okay i don't even know what you're talking about mm-hmm. oh man Ooh, little little lemon twist in uh, in my campari and soda gosh this is the first time i ever had this really it's really refreshing that's like how most people get introduced to Campari. You've never had the Campari and soda, my friend. <laughs> you haven't lived. Toss some white wine in there. Ooh, yellow spritzer. Okay, we still haven't gotten to what we actually talked about last week. So, Corbett, fill us in on what we what we talked about last week. All right, so we convinced people that email was important in the first week. Last week, we talked about how to actually grow your email list by providing lots and lots of value to your potential subscribers to get them to sign up for your list. And uh, we neglected to mention that we have a full course that I meticulously assembled called... Like, and, it, and it's one of our, like, I mean, there's like more lessons in that course than just about any that we've, that we've launched. Yeah, it's three hours long. Three hours <laughs> of video instruction on building... And your- lots of worksheets and stuff. Right. Tons of worksheets, tons of uh, like how to's, tutorials, you know, showing you exactly step by step what to do to grow your email list to the first 10,000 subscribers and beyond. And we've had a couple of Fizzle members who have just absolutely dominated with their email list after going through this course. Uh, One Fizzle member, Darlene Hildebrandt, added 3,000 people to her email list in a single month, whereas her previous best month was like 200. Um, and another one, John Corcoran, that we actually talked about last week, he was able to go from a 0.3% conversion rate to an 11% conversion rate overall. And um, the course, I if I do say so myself, it's great. And if you're not in Fizzle, you can join for a dollar, take that course, apply Hold on, it. hold on, hold on. We don't talk about our own stuff. We let Harley call in and do that. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. I'll wait we'll for Harley. I'll wait. We'll wait for another question from Harley. Yeah, yeah. We'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, so this this, uh, this today now what we're going to talk about is if if last week's was about a, a conceptual conversation about value and about how to make something interesting, delightful, useful, uh, how to serve someone else, uh, just at, at a at a at a practical or I guess more at a conceptual level, this is a little more of the practic- practical stuff that goes along with managing your email list, the kinds of things to send, how often maybe, questions about like what is a normal open rate, things like that, maybe some design, et cetera. Sound good to you guys? Sounds great. I like that. So Caleb, here's my question to you. Where do you want to get started? (laughs) Maybe start with what kinds of things you should be sending, and then we can talk about delivery of like the free things you give people. So if you're... You know, your opt-in is for an ebook or a PDF or something. Like, yeah. how do you actually deliver that? And then if it's like an email series, do you add them just to the email series they signed up for? Or are they on your blog too? So like there's those considerations as well. So maybe start with what kinds of things we email people now or have in the past. Yeah. Okay, and, I like that. And just a, another question maybe to start off, which is um, how often do you have to email people? What if you just get them on your list and then you you don't email them for six months. Is that bad? 
Mm. Is it bad? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Answer it. Let's start. Let's start right there. Let's start with an idea of because I, I think I can remember myself starting my first email sort of thing. Uh, I wrote it right to mean for like three years before, uh, or I guess two years before the father thing that is father stuff that I was writing there started to get a little bit of traction. Like people that I didn't know were commenting on it and being like, "This is this is cool." And so that's when I started Father Apprentice, and the first time I ever started an email list, and um, I, I I used. MailChimp at the time, just because it was free. I didn't know of anything else, to be honest. Every time I would go to anything else. I mean, I had used Campaign Monitor before, mm-hmm. but that was like a long time ago. And Campaign Monitor is still killing it. They're still doing great they are. stuff. They're super, they're super expensive, though, is part yeah. of the problem. Yeah, and, and, but I like... Uh, speaking of emails that actually are useful... Like they're, I'm on their email list, and they send some pretty interesting stuff from time to time. I, I, I like it. They seem to be focusing more on like the designery types. Um, so, uh, so, and so people like me, and I like, I like that stuff. But anyways, signed up Mailchimp, and I didn't. I just kind of remember being like, well, what at the time? I don't know if this is still the case. Do you still do you have to be on a paying account on Mailchimp to be able to send, um, to be able to to do autoresponder stuff? Yes. I think you do. Um, and I, so I never ended up doing that just because I was like so dumb. I didn't know. I didn't think of paying for a thing. And, and But not so dumb. I just, I, this was a side project thing. I was never really thinking about turning it into a business. I was just like, hopefully I get, I can one day write the book on this thing. Right? If I was going back now, I would absolutely, I would create a, a kind of an autoresponder. Given all the things that I've written now. On, I, on Father Apprentice, there's like, there's about 10 posts that are really, really great. But nobody's going to find those unless they're landing on them for the first time off of a search result. But they land on one of those, and they probably won't find any of the others, right? So what I would do, and this is something that we did uh, in the past, is I would have an a autoresponder that would send like every week or every two weeks, like, hey, here's here's something you might have missed uh, about how to put your crying, how do you put your sleeping baby down after you've like been holding him for a little while in the crib without waking him up. That would be the kind of thing that I would I would send send to them, you know, along with a lot of other stuff. So the idea of an autoresponder was something I always wanted and never, never did. Cause I never ended up like paying, you know, whatever the $5 a month to, to enable that feature. So when you ask me how often that's the first thing I remember thinking about when I was starting my first email list is, Oh, I wish I could do that. And I can't. So instead I'll just, I'll write any, e- I'll write a blog post whenever I write a blog post. And then I manually emailed after every time I, I published something. Yeah, and, and for people that are totally uninitiated when it comes to email stuff, let's kind of explain the differences and the kinds of email you can send. So an autoresponder just means that when someone signs up or takes some sort of action, you start sending them a series of emails afterwards, or even just one, whatever it is. But anything that goes out to people from the moment that they sign up on your list or do something those are called autoresponders. And so you can imagine, you know, you create an autoresponder today and a year from now somebody signs up, they start getting that same autoresponder. So it kind of depends on, you know, when people signed up. A broadcast on the other hand, that's something that you sit down and compose and it goes to everyone on your list at the exact same time regardless of when they signed up. So it's sort of like a real-time email as opposed to something that you pre-write that gets delivered to people later. And by the way, broadcast is a term that that only Aweber uses. I think for that's what they called their their like from your blog, like automatically mm-hmm. sending out via RSS. Uh, in Mailchimp, it's called an RSS campaign. Um, I think I had been, was in situations before. For some reason, I can remember something where it, it was called something else, and it was almost even easier. Uh, regardless, that's what that's what you mean when you say broadcast, correct? Well, no. So there's there's two kinds. You mentioned a, blo- oh, okay. a blog broadcast, which is having your blog post go out automatically. Um, another one is just sitting down and composing an email, right? S- typing yeah. up an email and sending it. And sometimes that's called a blog uh, a broadcast. Other times they might just call it a campaign. Like in Mailchimp, yeah. it's just a standard campaign. Yeah, got it. Okay, so we've talked about three kinds: an autoresponder, which is a you might not have heard this uh, referred to as like a drip email sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like, hey, someone signs up. Two days later, send them this. Two days later after that, send them this. Five days later after that, send them this. And this is something like the original old school internet guys, they would do this thing where it would be, you land on their page for whatever, you know, how to teach your parrot how to talk. 
uh, and you'd land on this thing and that you wouldn't be able to buy anything, that you, there wouldn't be a blog, there wouldn't be anything going on except for this one squeeze page, this, this landing page that, that is this long, drawn-out thing just convincing you to sign up for your email, right? And then you get your email, you, you enter your email in, and then they send you some free thing, right? Some free PDF and, a, and a, like a, a two-hour video, typically, some two-hour whiteboard video of them just ranting and teaching you some things. And then four days later, they'd send you another thing that would be valuable and another couple things that would be really valuable. And then the sucker punch, they come in and they try to sell you the thing. It's a, it's like a well-known sequence, not just in the online stuff, but in actual, you know, car sales stuff and things, things like this, where, where you're, you're providing quote unquote value. You're doing, you're, you're helping, 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 helping. And they don't buy on the first trip. They buy on the second or third. Um, so that's what the autoresponder was. uh, It was a lot. It was used for that a lot. I think thinking about it in terms of how do I build an audience? How do I make these people convince them that, that this is a relationship worth having with me because I'm going to help them with their dart throwing or their knitting or their whatever it is that I'm educating them and serving them about. That's where those things become, come in handy. So for think traffic, I mean, you've been writing there for five years and how many 500 posts, Corbett? Mm hmm. Yeah. So we implemented this thing, uh, so, like before we moved everything over to Fizzle where it was, uh, We'll, we'll have like, we did the, the Sunday morning jumpstart series. And I really liked that where it was every Sunday. Well, as soon as you get on the list, every Sunday you'd get a new email that was basically giving you an intro to some, one of the, one of the things that we thought was, was one of the best things we, we've written. Things that you definitely need to know about from Think Traffic. And so it would be kind of, and we put them in sequence in the way that you would kind of learn about a business. So, um, so that would be a great example of an, of an autoresponder. So sorry, we still haven't answered the question really of how often. Yeah, that was kind of a long-winded approach. Caleb, what do you think? Can you can you just email people once a month? Does that matter? Do you have to email them three times a week? Is that there- was kind of a long-winded approach. Is sort of, I mean, that's what people should review. Uh, they leave as the review of this i of this podcast of this episode uh, of uh, no of just of the of the podcast in general. You're gonna get They're great like, stuff. It's can a we real long- it long winded approach. <laughs> yeah the the long the long and winding approach bum, bum, to the truth of internet business. You left me hanging here. Keep going. You can answer the question now, Caleb. So I would think once a month would maybe be the minimum that you could email someone. I feel like if you go longer than a month without emailing people on your list, they're going to be like, wait, who is this? Who is this Mm. from? Who is sending this to me? Why did I sign up for this? Hmm. So I think that's kind of the minimum. And maybe it kind of depends on how well you've warmed them up in the beginning. So you could imagine maybe somebody signs up and you give them an autoresponder sequence for you know a while for a couple of weeks or whatever they get to mm-hmm. know who you are and then maybe that buys you some time to go a month in between you know yeah. as opposed to somebody signs up you never say anything 2 months later you send them an email and they're like who the hell is this right yeah yeah right. and and it, it, it i'm sure it changes on industry right like one of the things that the fitness industry knows is they never ever 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 let you know that they're still there if you're subscribing to it, if you have a gym membership, you're never going to get things from that gym, probably, because they don't want to remind you that they're there, because if they do, they'll remind you how much you're paying for that. They thing don't that email probably, you invoices. Yeah, yeah they, they probably, you're probably not using it much, yada, 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 right? Um, so some, some businesses make, and I think that's a sleazy way of going, but also I could picture industries like in an enterprise world. I, when I was doing consulting with enterprise stuff, it was like, no matter what they were sending out, it seemed just hopeless. Like nobody cares about this. Why are you guys sending this? What on earth are you hoping to gain from this? Like what do you mean? Software? No, just sending out an email for just because they're like, we heard we're supposed to send out an email, so we're going to try to do it. And Mm -hmm. and then they didn't do the work of saying, how can we really make something that's going to delight the people on the other side of this email? They just said, let's give them some updates from our company. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like pointless, miserable, unnecessary, like things I'm not interested in. Uh, but you were on but, their, you were on their list for some reason. No, I was consult. I, I was doing work with oh, them in it. another part got of their it. business. But uh, so it it does depend on the industry, though. Too is, is what I'm really getting at. Um, I I couldn't I can't get this idea out of my head. Like how much I would love a reminder every now and again to like, for example, like what if I could put in my phone number somewhere and every you know every few days at different times throughout the day it would be like what uh tell your wife text your wife and tell her something 
remind her of some story that you guys both had together. Which means, you know, it's just, so like this week I get the one and it's like, okay, bring, 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 and I, and I just text her, say, Hey babe, I'm thinking about you. I love you. Uh, remember when we were living in Ireland and we didn't have any money, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And that would happen every, every, you know, week or two. I swear to God, like my wife would love me again. <laughs> she, our relationship would be 800% better because of some little place I put in my, my phone number. There's so much power in, in and I think of what we're doing in fizzle. Well, a lot of what we're doing and a lot of what the fitness industry, a lot of what, uh, you know, people like, like these numbers have faces and Justin's Zerati, like I was talking before, what we're doing is, is we're, we're providing things that'll hopefully remind someone to step into their better self, sort of, you know, like almost like this reminder that, Hey, you're worth it. Go out for a jog today. Hey, you're worth it. Your business is worth it. Do spend an hour on your business today as a side project. Just, just do something. Focus on the email. In some ways, for a lot of people who are just doing this on the side, that's what we are to them as a little boost of, of motivation. Like the last couple, or the, remember when we had those posts on uh, there is no that and heavy ass weight, right? Those are just motivational. You get it and you're like, oh my God, yeah. And the comments on both those posts are just full of people saying like, this is exactly the kick in, in the butt that I needed. I think for your own business, dear Fizzle Show listener, there's a similar sort of thing that you can tap into where you're helping them. When you're not talking about yourself anymore, you're talking about them. And you might be able to find some sort of a sequence, some sort of like a every week or every other week, there's a reminder. You know what? I know how hard it can be to, to stick with the knitting. <laughs> but here, let me just remind you that it's worth it. It's important. You're going to be able to, during the apocalypse, provide clothing for your whole family and tribe <laughs> or whatever. Does, does, do you, have you guys experienced that before when like an email, you get it and you're like, yes, I am going to try harder. Go ahead, Corbett. <laughs> um, that's that's how you stop a pause block is you make someone else answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm alone in that, and that sometimes emails make me a better person. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there are emails that I love to get. If that's what you're asking, um, sometimes they're motivational. Uh, I don't know that 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 necessarily helps answer the question how frequently you should email someone. I guess what it makes me think of is it depends on what you're emailing. If you're, if I sign up for your thing, this is what I mean about the industry. If I sign up for your thing because I am overweight and unhappy and I would like to start exercising and you've got a, uh, 22 week series, uh, of just helpful little tips to get me off my ass for, for 20 minutes a day, right? If I land on your site and you offer that and I say, sure, I'm willing because, because I can control this. I can unsubscribe at any time or whatever. And then you, that, that, then I want, I want an email from you every week. Right. So that in some ways that answer what the thing is answers how often you should be sending. Totally. But I'm, you know, if you're an enterprise business that that runs, you know, a Microsoft Excel plugin, something or other, that's a whole different bell game. You know, how often should you be? Should you be? Maybe you have maybe you can create an autoresponder on a 13 week series of the biggest tips and tricks for using this new plugin. We don't want to we don't want to just throw these all at you. We want you to give you give you a, a few days to sit with each one of them so you can actually learn to use them in your thing. Well, that's now you've got an option. And this would be a great example of of uh, how to, you know, email a handful of times up front. And then whenever, you know, once they've gone through the series. They know who you are and what you're about, and they remember who you, what your name is, right? And so now you can email them whenever you write a blog post or, or something. So in some ways, the how often question is the same thing as how, how often do I email them is the same thing as how often am I going to write on the blog? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a pretty similar question. And there is no right answer. You can't say that 3.5 days you know, between emails is optimum or whatever. Sure. And it kind of depends on who you are as well and what, what fits for you because... There are some people that you just don't get emails from very often. I was thinking about um, like Josh Ship, for example. I'm on yeah. his email list, and it doesn't seem to be super regular. It's not like twice a week I get something from him. It's just kind of like it stuff shows up once in a while, and I'm always interested, you know, yeah. because I because I care about what he has to say, and so I'm likely to click on it. Um, so sometimes I think emailing too frequently can kind of backfire on you, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, actually, you know what, to that point, I found this, uh, awesome report that I'll put in the, in the show notes and it's a little bit outdated. Uh, but one of the things, let's see what, let me find the percentage, the most percentage of unsubscribes, like 54 something, oh, 67%. Um, wait, no, that's, that's not the one. Hold on. Wait, I, I'll find it. I'll find it. 
I shall find it. Uh, they, anyways, the n- most common response for why people are fifty four percent of people unsubscribe from an email because the emails come too frequently. That's the largest by a long shot. Forty nine percent is because the content became repetitive or boring over time. Forty seven. Uh, I received too many emails and needed to get off some companies' lists. Mm-hmm. Right, and which I don't understand how that's different than emails came too frequently, but. Um, but all those, there, there's those three, 54, 49, 47. So obviously people are checking more than one here. And then there's a big jump down to 25, 24, 22 of the content wasn't relevant. I prefer to seek out information instead of having it come to me. I signed up for a one-time offer. My circumstances changed. I moved. I got married. I changed my job. So say that again. The top three were what? A, uh, the emails came too frequently. Yep. B, the content became repetitive or boring over time. Mm-hmm. And C, I received too many emails and needed to get off some companies' lists. Interesting. So those are the those are the big ones. And again, this was from 2011, so not forever ago. But but uh, I would say those are probably uh, that was that's one slide of a bunch in this thing. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, that's probably still the same amount, same today. You know, the, those are pro- those stats probably are very similar to what they would be if they did that test today three years later mm-hmm. so um so yeah i think when you the reason why i bring it up because you just said like you know you said there was no optimum and chances are the danger is probably selling, sending too much but that's where you have to look at this thing and say what is what what is this how would i want to get this and well you and you also options too yeah. like we on average do two to three times a week for if you're subscribed to the spark line but if you're also a Fizzle member, you get an email every couple weeks for that, too. So if it's too much for that, we have a weekly option for the Sparkline where either when you subscribe or when you try to unsubscribe, you can switch over to to get less emails but still get all the content. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I, w- I almost wouldn't coach someone to, to end of that right now, depending on where they are. For us, that makes a lot of sense because this is what we do for a living. You know, we're, we're, we're paying three people's salary and we're like a publishing house. And, and so, it, and even though it's not that much work to do, I would almost, if we focus more, I would almost just encourage people to just get the emails going first, but you're right. Just like we do now with, we can, you can turn on the, um, 30 day, just ship it challenge emails. You're on the sim- list already, but now you can turn it on by clicking this button and entering your email again. And, and, and now those will start to come and you can cancel those versus unsubscribe from the whole list. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So have we answered the how often question? Yeah, there is no right answer, like most things that we discuss. Yeah, there really isn't. And that's that's Less what I find. Less than every hour and more than once a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, it, you know, you also have to ask, who am I sending to? And if they unsubscribe because I sent too many emails, is that even someone that belongs on my list to begin with? Because maybe just, you know, what I'm sending isn't in the in their wheelhouse and yeah. maybe they're not the ideal subscriber to begin with. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about just like the men- mentality or like mindset of, I don't know, kind of dealing with the metrics of this? Like we mentioned it last time uh, in the last episode, but people are, like you just mentioned, people are going to be unsubscribing. And uh, you can think, you can take that personally, but you shouldn't because, well, not necessarily. Well, it depends. I mean, it, it depends. Yeah, so, so color that in. Well, I mean, you're, you have to expect that you're going to have some sort of unsubscribe rate on your list. And the more established the list, the more consistent that unsubscribe rate's going to be. You're just going to have people who leave your list every time you send an email. And you can kind of watch it, and you can see that certain things, especially like if you're doing a really hard pitch selling something, they're going to have more unsubscribes than if it's just a typical sending out a blog post or a follow-up or something. But, you know, I mean, depending on how big your list is, you might have tens or hundreds of people unsubscribing every time you send an email, and that's that's just the way it is. I mean... Um, you send an email and somebody realizes that they're still on your list and that they don't like your content anymore, or maybe they're following you on Twitter and they don't want to get emails from you anymore, um, or whatever the case may be, you, they think you're sending too frequently and they unsubscribe. Um, and that's normal. And, uh, and as your list grows, then you have to add more and more people to the list to keep the list growing uh, just to replace the people who are unsubscribing. Yeah. And when you're launching something specifically, people will more often stay on that list until you launched whatever that thing is. Specifically, if you've mentioned, you know, you'll give them free chapters of a book or 
discount when it launches and mm-hmm. then immediately after launch you will see a higher unsubscribe rate but you probably had a higher subscribe rate right before the launch too that should you know compensate for it so there's so many factors like you were just talking about corbett that it's and, really hard to nail them down yeah and probably something to look at more important than unsubscribe rate is what your complaint rate is because hmm. somebody can click the spam button on an email from you and that's usually a bad sign because it means that they thought that the content that you were sending them was inappropriate from for some reason. They didn't remember why that they had signed up for your list or who you are, um, or they were just angry about it for some reason. So they clicked that mm. spam button. And there, in most email tools, there's going to be a complaint rate that you can look at, and you need to monitor that probably more than. I mean, unsubscribes are important as well, but the spam complaints are are very important because it can damage your reputation as a sender and make it harder for you to get your emails into the inbox they can start ending up in people's spam folder hmm. no that's that's uh, these are interesting because what we're talking about is expectations to be honest i've never had expectations about unsubscribes so when i saw that that we the, how high of a number the unsubscribes were every month like compared to you know two or three every month which is what i was experiencing at like father apprentice a very small you know like a thousand people on a list in mm-hmm. comparison to 40 or fifty thousand, you know and, and it, it and the equi- it's actually you know less of a percent where what we're dealing with is actually less than what i was dealing with in the size of the whole thing but still i, I never had those expectations i'm hearing you guys talk about this and i'm realizing you're right like i've never actually realized that every list is going to have an unsubscribe rate and you just need to put you, you, that's okay what i'm wondering is are is there a metric like i like the idea of looking at the complaint or spam rate uh, however many pe- people are are saying that you're spam when you know you're not well maybe you are uh i'm are there other metrics like is there a metric that i can look at that va- that that can show me I'm, I don't know what I'm getting at, like that I'm getting the right kind of people on the list that I'm getting into that my, cause I could, like we said before, like we can have, we can grow a huge list of celebrity nudies or so, like people who want pictures of celebrity nudes, but that's not my business. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. Like I heard someone, Des trainer from intercom. He's like, we can totally increase the time inside of our app by adding Tetris there. But that's not what our business does. That's not the problem that we solve, you know? So the problem isn't necessarily uh, subscribe rate or unsubscribe rate. The problem is engagement around a specific topic that you're going to create tools and resources and pr- products to to get paid by these people. That's valuable enough for them to give you their money. D- yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, totally. So you can you could look at uh, open rates. You could look at click through rates. You can um, just measure how many people take the action that you're asking them to take in a in in the email, like yeah, in the click, yeah, so but, to speak. But you're not going to be able to compare those numbers to some industry standard or something, you know. And- well, here's here's actually an interesting thing. I have found uh, Mailchimp has this awesome thing, which I actually mentioned before. But let, let me see what some of these stats are. It's so it's it's email marketing benchmarks, okay? So the open rate and the click rate based on a bunch of different uh, industries. Okay? So here's a few that are common. And now when was this put out? What what's the what's the I can't see what time when they don't have a date on this page. But like for instance, uh, let's say education and training, the open rate on average is about 36% which seems really high. All of these seem really high. 36% and a 3.4% click rate. Okay. Marketing and advertising is 21% of an open rate with about a 2% of a click. through. So you see the difference between those two, 36 for education and training versus 21 for marketing and advertising. You know, media and publishing is about a 30% open rate and a 4.4% click rate. But those, you, you, those are completely meaningless numbers. They really are. I mean, you're, what you're doing is you're just saying, okay, cool, I, I fit in because... Most of the time, you're going to land in this similar kind of boat. Like now that you know, how do you go from thirty to forty? I don't know. Well, you don't know. You know they're not. You don't know how big that list is, how old it is, um, what you know, sort of reputation the sender has, whether or not they were sending autoresponders or blog broadcasts or whatever. There's just sure. too many variables to make that useful. So the the only thing that you can really do is compare your own metrics to yourself. Yeah. Um, or an or a specific, very similar business that you can talk to a friend about you know mm-hmm. you can say hey i'm a knitting blog and i have a friend who has a crochet blog and we can you know talk about those things together and yeah. sort of see what those are 
Yep, totally. That's a great point. So, and I love that what you just said. The only real thing you can compare yourself to is is your own metrics, and that is something. Now that I'm in a business where we have metrics, and I, I whereas before I just never ever thought about you know tracking any of this stuff because everything was a side project and everything was just for fun. Unless I was doing things for Adorazi or, or a, you know my, the startup that I was at where everything was a metric, but it was for very vastly different things. You know, venture backed thing trying to get into partnerships and doing partnerships with big enterprises. So it was just a completely different ball game. Um, but that one thing that you just said that means a ton. Like if I could get myself three months ago and say, hey, the only thing you can actually compare yourself to is your previous rates. And so you can look at last month's email campaigns and be like, how can I make this month's email campaigns more fun and hopefully engage a little bit easier with our audience? Um, I don't know. It's, I feel like that's a big point. And it's interesting because we didn't plan on getting into this stuff about thinking about unsubscribe rates. What we're really getting into is, is expectations about, because there's a lot of work that it takes to get someone to get on the list. And then when you just watch them like unsubscribe willy nilly, you're like, oh my God, what, what, wait, don't leave. You know, it can be, it can be scary. It can be troubling and you could take it personal. Easy come, uh, easy go. <laughs> easy come, easy go. So, Corbett, so actually, before we move on, I want hmm. to have you talk about something. So open rights. Would you notice how we, we all just tried to so block each other there. So, so Caleb, Caleb, Caleb won. won. I love it. But Corbett, I wanted you to talk about open rates and how important they actually are and whether or not you should manually unsubscribe people that haven't uns- or haven't opened something in a year. Cause I know that we have friends or at least I have friends that do that where it's like, yeah. you don't open my emails or you don't click on stuff. You're gone. Well, the problem with open rates is that it's a really flawed m- metric because the way an email client works, there's no obligation for uh, that, you know, person's email client, whatever they're using, Gmail, whatever, to report back to you that the email was actually opened. And uh, there were all kinds of you know things that people tried to do uh, in terms of email providers to, to figure out whether or not emails were actually being opened. And usually mm-hmm. they used like a little uh, one pixel image. And if the image was displayed, then it got, you know, pulled from the server and then they could mark that the, the actual uh, email was opened. But even that was flawed because people can turn images off and do all yeah. kinds of stuff. So if your open rate says that it's 20%, it doesn't mean it's 20%. It could be 50%. Who knows? Because you know it's just a, an inferred kind of metric. And that's where, again, you can compare your own open rate this week to your open rate last week because the conditions are pretty much the same. You're sending to the same people. Um, everything else is the same. So you can tell whether or not you're doing better or worse, but the the raw number doesn't really matter. So the problem is what you were talking about sometimes is that people who have big lists can look at their list and say, well, you know, it looks like 20% of my list isn't opening any of my email. And I'm concerned about two things. One, that I'm paying for those subscribers to be on my list when they're not opening any of my emails. And two, um, that it could somehow damage my reputation if these people are just, you know, clicking spam or whatever. So some people have taken to this idea of, well, I should go through, query my list for everyone who has never opened anything in the past X months, like six months or something. And then um, I could either unsubscribe them or I could send them a special message telling them that I'm going to unsubscribe them uh, to require them to click on a link or something. The problem, of course, though, is that you don't know if those people are really opening your messages and it's just not being reported back to your software. Um, and even if you send that message saying, hey, I'm going to unsubscribe you if you don't take this action, maybe they don't happen to catch that message. So there's a good chance that you would unsubscribe some people who you shouldn't unsubscribe who are actually reading your content. So I don't know. It's um, it's it's something you could do. We kind of thought about it for a while because we had kind of a big list and you know it looked like some people weren't opening our stuff. But in the end, we decided just to let it be how it is um, because I suspect that there are people who just read our stuff via email and that's good enough for them, you know? Yeah. So let's... Uh what, what, okay, we're in, we all had a so we had a so off, <laughs> we so off, and uh, I was going to go into what sh- what kind of things sh- could we be sending? Like what what should we be sending? Where were you going to go, Kit, Corbett? I also wanted to talk about how to increase open rates. You know how to look at your open rates and try to um, improve them and your click rates as well. Like what types of things you can send and how you can measure that and how you can see if you're doing better or Let's worse. Let's do it. What, what, what and, have we done? In the, have you done stuff in the past? Yeah, and, and this and this will lead directly to the kinds of stuff that you should be sending. But basically, 
Um, whatever tool you're using, MailChimp or AWeber, Campaign Monitor, Mad Mimi, uh, whatever the thing is. Emma. Emma. Whatever you want to use. Probably you can go into your campaign list and look at all the different emails that you've sent. And for each one, you're going to see a couple of stats. You're going to see the open rate and the click-through rate. And a really fun thing to do is to compare open rates for each of the messages that you've sent over the past X number of months. And you'll probably see a couple of things. One, you'll probably see open rates decline slightly over time. So if you can look back a year ago, maybe your open rates were 30% and you look now and they seem to be hovering around 25%. That's sort of normal because as your list grows and ages, there are people who have been on your list for a long time who are no longer receptive to opening everything that you send them. Maybe they're just looking for the good stuff. Maybe they filtered your messages off to a different folder so they're not seeing them anymore. So you'll see your open rate decline over time, probably. That's what happens to most lists. The other thing is you're going to notice that there are spikes and troughs in the open rate and the click rate uh, over time. So sometimes you'll send a message out and it does far worse than average on open rate. Sometimes you'll send one out and it does way better, sometimes even like double as good as your average open rate. And what you can do is then go in and look at uh, the headline and maybe the first sentence or so, because that's generally the only thing that people are going to see in their email client is the headline of the, or the subject line, whatever you want to call it, of the email that you sent them, and maybe the first sentence or two, depending on how much space there is there. And really, that's the only thing that drives open rates, aside from um, potentially the sender name that you use. And if you changed your sender name from, say, you know, Caleb Wojcik to Caleb Wojcik DIY video guy, you might see a little bit of a change in open rates there if people are confused or maybe they're not as confused or whatever. But um, really, the headline drives open rates. And that's something you can work on just like you would work on with a blog post. You can work on that with emails to try to drive more and more opens. Interesting. As I'm looking at our, I'm looking at our, uh, sort of sends right now all the emails we've sent over the last little while and the two that jump out the two of them uh that have a, a higher open rate are two two posts the bigger one is caleb's 240 mornings post that got a lot of opens in comparison to the rest uh to our typical open rate and then the other one was 10 thoughts on focus and i remember seeing that uh, the, the subject of each was just the name of the thing. One was 240 mornings. One was 10 thoughts on focus. Um, and I just, I, I could, I couldn't help but realize like these are just short, really short. Uh, I don't know. Short. They're, they're short, <laughs> short, uh, short headlines, short shorties, but, but they're, you know, two words and, uh, about, f- what is that? Five words, three, four, they're four not words. hypey at all. They're not hypey. They're very matter of fact. Um, and by the way, this, anyway, so first of all, that, that always made me interested. It's like, okay, that was very short. They're not hypey. They're very sort of human kind of guttural, regular language. And so it made me, uh, anyways, that I thought exactly of those when I came across this other resource from MailChimp on subject line comparisons. Have you guys seen this? I've seen a lot of these. I don't know if I've seen that one in particular, but it's always this one is, uh, is by, they maybe this way that this one's different is they analyze 40 million emails. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, this is MailChimp and they analyze 40 million emails uh, sent through MailChimp, uh, singled out the ones with the highest and lowest open rates, stuff like that. So, I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes as well. The findings are, are they just go right along with it. What they basically say is the best thing you could do is not be hypey is just say things real matter-of-factly, be straight up. Uh, let's see, what, what was the, the thing? The best thing to do with your subject line is to describe the subject of your email. Yep, that's it. But you should look at these. You should look, because they've got about, what do they have? They have about 20 different uh, formulas for the thing. And there, a lot of them are very similar, but it's like, you know, some of them are, that get really high responses are something like company name and then the date. You know, so something going out that says like fizzle January 20th, like that, that gets 60 to 80% better response 
than the other ones. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think of how some some how simple some of this can be. Yeah, and it's not like it's going to solve all your problems or something. But you should definitely check it out. I'll put a link to it. in no, the No, but notes. it could. I mean, it, that's you know, this is important because you've worked so hard to set up your email list to create you know an enticing offer to get people to sign up for your email list, and then. Uh, you need to go another step and try to make sure that people are actually reading and, and engaging with whatever it is that you're sending them. Um, I've got a few more anecdotes on subject lines. So, Let's hear it. Uh, one, I th- believe, I'm not sure if this is true, we would have to look in our old records from AWeber and kind of look at our new stuff as well, but I believe that our uh, two most successful subject lines ever were also probably our two most successful blog posts ever. Um and uh, that was, or or maybe the top three. So one is write epic, shit, which again mm-hmm. is short and to the point. That one has a little bit of you know hype and intrigue to it. That one was very popular. Another one is called Twenty One Quick Actions You Can Do Today to Set Your Blog Up for Massive Success. That's a mouthful, but that ended up being a very popular email subject line, just like it was a very popular blog post. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting, and I think anything that you can learn from writing blog headlines is probably going to apply to writing good email headlines. And sometimes you're not even writing the email headlines. They're just being pulled from your blog post. The other thing is um, sometimes non-intuitive email subject lines are going to get far higher open rates than anything else. Like you just said, you know, fizzle uh, October 21st, 2014. Mm -hmm. Like that might work really well. Um, The Obama campaign in 2008 did a lot of really interesting stuff with email (laughs) that hadn't been done before. And uh, they did a lot of A-B testing with subject lines on emails that were going out to millions and millions of people. And they found that the ones that performed best sometimes were um, things that said, like, hey, just the word yeah. hey. No, that, that was their biggest ever was just hey. Yeah. Let's see if I, I'll, I'll try to find something to put on the, in the show notes for That's that. That's a good one. And um, another one that just happened recently, our friend Scott Dinsmore, I don't think I have to put a dollar in the jar anymore if we mention Scott Dinsmore, right? It's been long enough. <laughs> I think, yeah, you get a freebie every few weeks. Okay. So uh, Scott Dinsmore actually accidentally sent out an email to his entire list. And I believe in the subject line, it still said, insert subject here. Because he wow. didn't actually put the subject in, <laughs> and that email got double the open rate of anything else that he ever sent. Oh my god! Just did he, did he ever write about that? Uh, did he ever write, I write about he that? Wrote, I don't know if he wrote about that. He doesn't kind of write about the nuts and bolts, but um, he he may have kind of at least mentioned it because he felt like a goof for uh, sending it out accidentally. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, I just realized he he did a uh, a live uh, the thing with Jonathan Fields, right? Did he? Or did, uh, well, I'm just looking at a video of him and Jonathan Fields. Cool. That was yeah, this from September 4th. I guess it's probably him. Whatever, we'll figure it out. I'll put both those in the. I'll. I'll, I'll anyways, I'm gonna look. I'll look for something on the Scott Dins- Dinsmore accidental. Uh, he inserts subject line here. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, okay, so hold on. What what other is that? Do you have more on on the subject line stuff? Those are both really good. No, I mean that, that's that's it. I mean, the, but basically, again, just this awareness that people need to have that the headline of your email is going to make or break whether or not people open the message. And so, the better you can get at writing headlines, the better you're going to do in email. The better you're going to do with blog content. The better you're going to do in general. It's it all comes down to copywriting. And yeah. we need to do some episodes on copywriting and maybe get well, no, somebody on. But th- here's what people need to understand is everything that we've been talking about, about audience and understanding who they are and understanding how to delight them and what they're really struggling with and how to get into their skin and into their shoes, that is copywriting. That is the principal fundamentals of copywriting is being able to explain to someone their problem better than they can explain it themselves. Because the minute you've done that, you've, you've just established so much trust with them and they're ready to here because their problem is important to them and clearly this this gal who's talking about it knows a lot about this so i'm interested to hear more so first and foremost every episode we do is about copywriting because we can't get through an episode without talking about you know doing something that actually delights your audience that thinking about it from their angle like your your point in the uh in the q a from february which i was just editing to um to what was his name who was who was 18 uh, uh, and mm-hmm. he was he was struggling so hard. I think it was uh, Timothy. Sorry, I can't Tyson. remember your name. Tyson, you got it. Tyson, God, um, Caleb. got all this out. 
Caleb's yeah. mind is so sharp. He's so young and has not poisoned himself with alcohol for the past 20 years. <laughs> or I have a tab open of the questions that we can oh, answer. Oh, okay. yeah. winner, winner, chicken dinner. No, you should just stick with the superpower thing. Yeah. Um, but your answer to him, Corbett, was, hey, if you're having struggle... So if you're struggling with figuring out your passion and you go from one thing to the next, maybe get out of your own skin and into somebody else's. Look at the world through their eyes and try to do something for them. Realize a problem that you can help them solve because you know something that they don't. That is the key fundamental to, to copywriting. And there's a lot of, yeah, you know what? Try a, try a subject line that says, hey, and this, that, and the other. But what I love is coming at business from the heart angle, from connecting with people strongly because you're going to figure out all those like the way that you say Corbett our two best performing headlines uh, ever we're that that's compared those are two headlines out of about 700 posts that we've written probably at this point 700 emails at least that we've I mean we've sent thousands of emails to people right and we're talking at the same time sometimes and sometimes all at the same time we're our bad but uh but they those are two in the in 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 a pile of thousands and so how important are they actually in the end if you do a bunch of work to write a good headline? Don't get me wrong. They're still important, right? But what's almost more important is just that grind, that grind of every month in and out. Every Tuesday, we write a blog post, whether the headline's good or bad. We're going to try to make it as good as we can. But what matters most is the people who read it, we want them to go from point A to point B. And at the end of that thing, they've got something to take home and try in their business. In their, they're, they're, they've hopefully interacted with some sort of thought that's inspiring, encouraging, educating, entertaining, whatever, that does something for them. Um, so, sorry, you, that, that, but you're right. We should talk a little bit about copywriting at some point. Amen. Do you agree with me? Well, hold on. No, that, don't even care if you agree with me. Because we've got about seven <laughs> minutes here to, to sort of rapid fire the, the, the end of this thing. And I think um, we, we really haven't talked much about what to send yet, even though it's, like, it's sort of incorporated into everything that we talked about. But we've really talked about the nuts and bolts. And I like that because I remember being really stressed out about the nuts and bolts and not having a whole lot of enlightenment about all of the what to actually write. Because I don't know if you guys have felt this before, but when I can just be myself, I know you both have, when I can just be myself, like I'm talking to you over a beer somewhere, if I can write in that way, then I'll I'll never have a shortage of things to write. It's easy to write the stuff and put it in front of people, Yeah. right? Uh, But I find myself getting so stressed about open rates, click-through rates, headlines, all this sort of stuff, that I'm not being myself. I'm not actually... I get further and further away from myself the more I ended up thinking about and trying to optimize for those sorts of things. And again, those things are a part of your business now if you're doing things online. So they are important. You need to think about them. But I always encourage people like learn, learn, try, try. Then do everything you need to to get rid of all that stuff and come right back to writing interesting things to you. You know, the things in your voice, things like you're just sitting over coffee with, with someone because that's what people are going to respond to. And growing one avid fan over the time, or, or one avid fan at a time, uh, is kind of the way to go, I think, still to this day. But on the idea of sort of what to send, do we have any sort of tips and tricks for people here? Well, well blog so, posts are one thing. Yep. And you can either send the whole post or you can do... A- a segment of it and then a click here to read more or you can do a completely custom email and yeah. we've kind of tried each of them i think yeah it's interesting i guess what, what's on the background uh for us is we're we know we're shipping a blog post we're writing something every single tuesday and chances are more so more than that even you know we are writing something every every single week we are publishing on tuesday we're publishing on friday every single week that is the job so we know that those emails are going out uh and maybe some people aren't thinking that way but maybe we should just focus on the people who are already thinking that way I don't know. One th- one interesting kind of category is kind of combining that autoresponder thing is like maybe a couple emails in. I've thought about I've always thought about doing this sort of thing where it's like an email that you send out saying, "Listen, this is who we are and this is what we talk about. We are co- principally concerned with people who struggle with X, Y, and Z. These are what we're sort of this is the story that we serve and we're looking for people who are like this. If that's not you, here's a really really big unsubscribe link. This might not be right for you." And you might not be right for us. But if it is, then just delete this. If you, are, if you are the right kind of person, then just delete this email. Know you're in the right spot. I think that's a very kind of, maybe it's a little too cheeky, right? Like I thought about within Fizzle, having a big button that just says like, I quit. <laughs> that, 
that would just cancel their account immediately as almost a piece of motivation. But it's a similar sort of effect here. I, I know that Ramit does something with like, he won't, uh, he won't, you won't, you can't buy any Ramit Sethi's things unless, if, if you have any debt. And if he ever finds out that you did when you had debt, credit card debt or something, then he won't allow you, he'll, you'll be blacklisted for life. And it's like sort of, sort of gimmicky, but he, he, there are stories of him like actually following up and finding people. Um, but it's one of these things that just shows like, hey, you're serious. Hey, you're for a particular kind of person. I've always kind of been interested in the idea of doing that, though I've never done it. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the uh, that's something that we're going to talk about in this exciting new course that you're working on right now, Chase. The uh, this idea of like a velvet rope policy, knowing who your yeah. stuff is for, and working to actually try to exclude the people who it's not for, um, yeah. and how powerful that can be, and how attractive it can be to help you sort of polarize your audience a little bit and get the get the people who really do identify with you to. Um, to admit that they do because you say who you're not for. It's, it's, it's a great technique. And I've actually done that plenty of times, um, just kind of in sales letters and, and things that I've pitched to say, Hey, you know what? This might not be for you. And that's totally cool. Like to kind of pull the thing away a little bit at the end. Um, it makes people really think whether or not it's for them and it makes it feel more exclusive. Yeah, I like that. So that is an idea for you. It's some sort of an email that that says that's like a negative email, like the the black space email or something, whatever you want to call it. What, you know, um, we're talking about things that you should send, but let's also talk about things you shouldn't send. Um, okay. Well, the last thing or one thing to before we get into negatives, or yeah. I guess that real quick, like one of the things that I always I must have said this ten times already on the show and in and in other physical courses as well. The the D, the Derek Halpern sort of special of like the quick. As soon as anyone responds, or as soon as anyone spon- re- signs up for ice to the brim, sorry, I smell toast. I'm having a f-ing seizure over here. But if anybody signs up for ice to the brim, I immediately, and I actually don't have an autoresponder on. I'm still not paying for that list. I just use a text expander snippet that just says, hey, thanks for signing up. Here's my inbox in case you want to send flowers or take a shit. Um, <laughs> please don't. And then I say, well, here's one question. As a working man, what are you struggling with right now? And then also, please don't my inbox you know and then there's a link to a picture of me as a dog saying i have no idea what i'm doing thank you for finding my site is this real this is real yeah huh. uh and if people sign up they'll, I'll, I'll try to send it to them what's great is doing a text expander wise like i don't have to send it to everybody like ryan carson signed up and i just didn't send it to him and i just sent him a personal email anyways and just said hey thanks for finding yada yada so that's the downside of autoresponders especially ones yeah. where you're writing to someone directly like we do with fizzle man there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about in terms of email um, yeah, and what to send yeah. because we do actually send a lot of messages. One of them, uh, right after somebody signs up for Fizzle, I say, Hey, glad to see that you signed up. I noticed that you opened an account and I wanted to know why. And it comes from me personally. Um, but it's aided by our intercom system. And mm-hmm. sometimes it goes out to people who I know personally. And then it kind of looks stupid because I sent it to somebody who I know who maybe mm-hmm. I had just talked to like a few minutes before. And then they get this weird email from me. Yeah, but people understand that. You yeah. know, half the time, because there's another one if you haven't signed up for, or if you haven't signed in for a week or two, like seven days, I send a little email that says, yeah, okay, Pasa, what's going on? And uh, just say, hey, everything okay? What's, what's happening? Let me know if you have any questions about Fizzle. Right. And, and I get multiple responses to that every day. And ha- some people are like, oh, hey, Chase is autoresponder. But the truth is, I don't. It, what it did is it put me in a conversation with you right now because mm-hmm. I get back to people every single time. Totally, normally within a few hours, and then we're talking about real stuff. They'll they'll be like, "Well, this is what I'm struggling with." This, that, and the other. And a lot of times, I'll, I'll have like just a quick story about getting into the forum or or something like that. There's a lot of responses that end up working well, but half the time it's it's one on one on one on one on one. There's no quick response to you know a uh, uh, stay at home mom who's dealing with a kid with cerebral palsy and really wants to build a side business on the side there's i'm sorry you're going to get a response from me like we're going to talk about this <laughs> you know what i mean like that is that was re- those are real life human connections and that's where i think email can be so powerful if we can get back into that mode with it but oh, hold on they uh so my, my point being just on the asking a, asking a question letting that be the first email that you send to them ask them a question what do you what's going on what kind of things are you looking to learn about what if you would if I could write a post about anything like you know I am the uh, socks knitting guru if you could have me write a post on anything let me know what it is if you're wondering about writing knitting socks here's this great post over here <laughs> you know um, what what other ideas of things to sell do you, do you or sorry things things to sell uh, 
things to emails send. to send. Caleb, you got anything? Yeah. Well, when you're doing a launch, especially, you want to send stuff to people and you want to do it in a way that's not overly pitchy. Like you don't want to send them tons of emails, but you also want to lead up to the launch in a way that's going to help you make sales. So, you know, when you first announce whatever it is you're selling or launching, you're going to want to write an email. You're going to want to give people on your list exclusive stuff for free leading up to it too. So they can like check out what it's going to be, what it's going to look like, the quality of what it's going to be. So there are ways to still pitch correctly without Mm. just sending a ton of emails and saying you can buy it here, but actually leading up to a launch in in like a product or maybe it's a podcast or whatever, teasing it for a little bit, seeing what people, you know, can guess about it, maybe get them involved with naming it or like picking a cover image for your book or, you know, there are ways to build up momentum by sending emails that aren't direct pitches but then people will start to think of whether or not they want to buy something when it does come out. Yeah. Yeah. And we've heard in this, uh, the first product story series, a lot of people talked about that. Just writing about what it was like to actually make the thing while they were making it ended up being one of the, a great way to, as the marketers would call, like that you're like warming up your list or you're priming them or whatever. I don't like the idea of those sorts of things. I like to think that you're just like getting to know them and they're seeing you actually build a thing. Just like you were, if you were sitting there watching somebody, you know, hand make a bagel and throw it in the, the boiler and, and then it comes right out. Like you're a little more interested in that bagel now. Rather than just seeing 250 bagels sitting out and saying, oh, I'll have that one. Who eats a boiled bagel? They're all boiled, bro. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I seriously, I just like nodded off for a second. Um, I, did, I didn't fall asleep, but I, I drifted off in my thoughts for one second and I came back and you were literally talking about bagels. And I don't know how the <laughs> f- we got from <laughs> emails you should send to, ba- to bagels. <laughs> well, you're just gonna have to listen to it and find out i guess i'm gonna yeah. have to listen to this episode you, you, and when you do Cor- corbett would you mind just leaving us an honest rating in itunes it, it doesn't cost you much and it means the world to us sure <laughs> well uh I, I think i'm all out of out of goodies there's one other thing i wanted to get into about like the d- designing emails but i'm gonna i'm gonna leave that off till uh, either next time maybe we could put that into the q a episode or or we'll we'll put it together a post on it later you want to talk about shouldn'ts Corbett, what you shouldn't yeah, send? Yeah, what not to send real well, quick? Well, yeah, and there's just kind of a big category, and that is that you can really easily damage your open rate irreparably by sending a bunch of useless stuff, a bunch of fluffy stuff, feeling mm. like you kind of have to feel fill the airwaves or fill the dead space between your emails by putting something out that ends up being not very good for some reason or just uninteresting, or um, pitching really hard over and over again like Caleb was talking about. But if you put together a string of crappy, uninteresting, useless emails or really hard pitches to people who aren't interested in that thing, then it's going to be hard to dig out from that trough because those people that are on your list who have received all that kind of stuff, then, um, you know, if they don't unsubscribe, they certainly start paying less and less attention to you. So you just have Mm. to be really careful about conditioning people that whenever you send, it needs to be useful and valuable and um and if it's not and make and also so that when you send something it's really easy for them to discern whether or not it's valuable and that you don't waste their time by yeah. drawing them in with a bunch of hype that ends up being fluffy for some reason so yeah so to sort of circle back to the question that we started with which is how oh, often yeah let's circle back what do you think well let's circle how, back well how often should you send really the answer just like how often should you publish a blog post or a podcast really is how often can you do it in a way that is putting your best foot forward and not damaging your reputation because you ran out of good ideas. Yeah. And, and that's not like exhausting people on the other side. Like even, even your most avid fans, people who need your stuff the most, is it, is it a a useful amount of things that you're giving them in a timely manner or is it way too often or way too infrequent? And I feel like coming at it from that angle might end up answering the question for you. I have been and continue to be Chase Wardman Reeves. No, I, I don't want you to just to take the last word and then and then just keep going. And then just <laughs> Well, let's say and then just I mean, and if, then just insert your name. That you <laughs> you just you just happen to have the trump card because your name comes first <laughs> in the outro. <laughs> I've been what, what, what's that block? That block is the is the close block. Exactly. I I, I, I last worded you. You did. <laughs> but I guess um, I guess actually no, here's the thing. 
Okay, you can last word me, but then you don't get to say anything else until after I say my name. You basically handed me the torch just now. And then Caleb gets it, and then you finally get to wrap things up after that. Okay, so, so everybody so everybody gets no, to say something talking. and then no, say their no, name. No, 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 but you're talking right now. <laughs> well, you started a conversation no, and a dialogue. No, no, this isn't a dialogue. I, it is my floor. The next Then thing who are you happen, talking to? I'm talking to myself right now because I'm the next person who gets to say my name. And then it's Caleb's turn. I have been Corbett Farr. And I've been Caleb Logic. And I'm going to give the talking stick back to Jace now. I'll <laughs> see you there. I'll see you on another time. <laughs> that was good. Take the talking stick away from Chase and he just goes ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait think, a second. I think I that closed. right there should be the intro. <laughs> I closed. I closed. And then you got a, You took issue with it. So you're the one who wanted the talking stick. I guess so. You a just you closed blocked me. So, it, <laughs> so there you have it. Give me the talking stick. Lots of articles and reports like the MailChimp subject line comparisons and the exact target report about email unsubscribes and stuff like that at fizzleshow.co slash 46. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 46. That'll take you to a page with notes and things just about this episode. And you'll also see a link there to Corbett's course on growing your email list to 10,000 subscribers and beyond. Um, You've got to be a Fizzle member to get that, but it only costs a buck. So if you're serious about getting your email to the next level, it's hands down the best way you can spend a buck. If you like this, please leave us an honest rating in iTunes. It doesn't cost you much, and it does really mean the world to us because it helps other people find the show. I, I hope. I hope. It, open up iTunes, go to the store, and type Fizzle right now. See what happens. You might see Jamaican dance hall booty music, and then you might see three white boys and you can click on them and click write a review here's a review uh from a finnish listener that means someone in finland like not like they're done like they're in finland head day 68 says this honest entertaining and of great value one of my new favorites these guys say it like it is and do not try to be anything but themselves there's a spark and energy here thanks head day before you click send on your next email uh, that you send out to your list or maybe even to your mom or something. Close your eyes. Imagine the person or the people on the other side, the ones receiving the email. Who are they? What are they thinking about? What do they want 10 times more of? Can you give them a little of that? Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.